Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 151. Among the many stateroom choices available on a Royal Caribbean cruise are the Junior Suite category, which is a blend of the standard balcony staterooms and some of the added perks that a full suite guest can enjoy. Often, it's difficult to know if booking a Junior Suite is the right choice. And this week, let's look at these special staterooms that offer more space than most balcony staterooms, but end with a little extra fun. This is an in-depth look at what you should know before booking a junior suite. Here we go. When my wife and I are huddled around our computer looking at cruise options, or perhaps we're at the next cruise office, the first decision we have to make once we pick the itinerary that we're interested in is what stateroom do we want? And sometimes it feels like picking the stateroom category is tougher than picking the ship to cruise on. And since we have two kids, we always struggle with what is the best decision for our family, and I think many other families as well, debate which stateroom category makes sense for that cruise. And Royal Caribbean's Junior Suite category promises more space, more amenities than a regular balcony, and even a few more perks, but it also comes at a higher price. This week, I want to explore what a Junior Suite offers if you choose to book it, and why it might, and might not, make sense to reserve a Junior Suite. It's kind of that weird, interesting, unique stateroom category that is just, it's the missing link, right, between a balcony and a suite. And I want to go through all this and kind of explore the different options and kind of figure out, is a junior suite the right decision for you? And spoiler alert, the answer is it depends. Like so many things in life, it depends. But let's first talk about what is a junior suite. Matt, I have no idea what a junior suite is, or I've heard about a, what a, of this thing called junior suite. What is it? That's a great question. Junior suite is a is the stateroom category. It's actually the first category of suites that Royal Caribbean offers. The layout and decorations of a junior suite vary by ship, but at its core, it's essentially a large cabin with a private balcony. It's really a larger balcony stateroom. So you know you have balcony staterooms, right? These are just you know your standard rooms that have a balcony on there. Junior suites are basically that category with more space, a bigger balcony and a bigger stateroom. In. And in most cases, you'll find that in a junior suite, two twin beds that convert to a Royal King, a sitting area with sofa bed, private balcony, and a private bathroom with bathtub. And again, as I mentioned earlier, it depends from ship to ship, class to class. So, you know, what's offered on the Quantum class for a junior suite will be different than what's offered in a Vision class ship. But, and in terms of square footage, it can vary. On Majesty of the Seas, a junior suite will be about 221 square feet, whereas on Brilliance of the Seas, a junior suite will run about 299 square feet. Most junior suites, though, fall into about 290 square feet. That's pretty good. It's a pretty good-sized room, and it's certainly enough space for two people. I mean, I think really for two folks, it's a lot of space. For a family of four, I brought my two young daughters on. We were on Navigator of the Seas as an example on our last cruise in a junior suite, and that had enough room for us, certainly enough living space, even with a pack-and-play and my daughter sleeping on the sofa there was certainly enough space, and you know that's really the the chief amenities of it. The size of the balcony ranges as well. On Majesty of the Seas, a junior suite balcony is about 61 square feet to 94 square feet for a junior suite balcony on Freedom Class ships. And on Quantum of the Seas, the junior suite balconies come in at 161 square feet for their balcony. So not bad. Again, the ship you're going on, the... The class will all depend on, you know, that'll dictate really the size. There's not a standard size, but it's essentially enough room for most folks to be able to uh, spread out on. Now, the, what are the benefits? Why would I want to book a junior suite besides the extra space? And certainly, the extra space is really, first and foremost, the reason why you consider a junior suite, right? A regular balcony is nice, but a junior suite gives you a lot more space. 
a lot more living room. It's not just about where you're sleeping and walking to and from your bed to the bathroom and out. It is about giving you much more living space as well as balcony space also. I mean, for a lot of folks, honestly, they'll tell you that a balcony space, the amount of space you have in your balcony is more important than the amount of space in your room. You want to be able to feel like you can stretch out, right? You don't have to like, you're not running into somebody. Your elbows can, you have elbow room, literally and figuratively. The other main benefit to booking a junior suite is that you get double Crown and Anchor Society points. So what that means is all junior suites are eligible for double Crown and Anchor Society points. Of course, this is true for all suite categories. And what that means is you'll be able to move up through Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society, their their customer loyalty program, a whole lot faster. So the the nice thing about booking a junior suite is not only you get extra space, but you get extra points for it, and that helps folks move up the chain, especially when you're starting out in with Royal Caribbean. If you're new to Royal Caribbean and you want to move up the system really quick, you want to get from gold to platinum or platinum to emerald or to diamond, boy, junior suites are a great way to do it because you know it doesn't require you to spend as much money as a regular suite, but you still get that nice benefit of being able to get the the added points. Junior suites also include tea and coffee service in the suite and Terry bathrooms for use on board. In addition, junior suites receive silver sea pass cards to distinguish themselves as suite guests of the Royal Caribbean staff. Now, full suite guests, those are staying in higher category staterooms, will have gold sea pass cards. Those below you in in any other stateroom category are going to have blue sea pass cards. You get silver. To be honest with you, I don't know what silver gets you quite honestly. It's just, it's, they just, you know, if you flash your card to somebody, a uh, crew member, they'll know that you're in a junior suite. It's just a way of identifying yourself. But that, I haven't been able to really identify much that that gets you quite honestly. Like as an example, if you're in a regular suite and you have a gold card, you can get into special seating at, in the theater or perhaps on the pool deck, they have reserved seating for suite guests. The silver card is nice. I'm not, I mean, it's nice to feel special, but I'm not, I haven't quite identified anything that really, gets you anything beyond perhaps something like priority embarkation when they're looking to look at your CPAS card, something like that. But hey, it's something to you know check out. Now, when you're talking about a junior suite, we'll say, well, why wouldn't I want to book a junior suite? What is the downside to it? Well, despite the word suite being its name, it's not really a suite. You don't get any of the suite benefits that all the other suites get. So you don't get access to the concierge lounge. You don't get uh, you know the, the, all the gold card benefits that we're talking about. So there's not there's no concierge service associated with it. And again, this goes back to something I said earlier, which is that junior suites really are larger balcony staterooms, and that's really what it's about. And and really, I, I think when you're talking about why you should book a junior suite, it comes down to a couple things. First of all, you want it because you want to splurge a little bit without breaking the bank. You want something a little nicer than what maybe you booked before, but you know, an owner's suite or a royal suite or something like that, loft suite. It's just not in the cards. It's not financially viable. You don't want to spend that kind of money, whatever the case may be. And the increased leaving space does make a big difference compared to the other rooms. As I mentioned earlier, I had we had four people in our junior suite on Navigator this season. I will freely admit, it was great having all that space. Even with, you know, two children, me and my wife, we I really felt like we had space to walk around. I wasn't constantly hopping over things. Well, other than my children dropping things on the floor, but you know, I was able to actually walk around freely, and I felt like you know it, it was nice. And, and you know what they say, it's fun to be free, to be on the move, right? So it's it's nice to be able to have that kind of space and not do the not do the 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 stateroom shuffle, as I call it, right? The the you know when you're moving sideways in order to get around, you know, bedding or chairs or something like that. It's nice. The other big benefit we haven't mentioned, and I think it is worth mentioning, is you get a full tub in your bathroom. So usually, if you've been on uh, other non-junior suites in the lower categories, you're used to usually a stand-up shower, right? 
Well, in a junior suite, you get a tub, which for some, a lot of people, especially families with kids, that's a big deal. It's really nice to have. And, you know, hey, more power to you if that does it for you. So it's a really nice perk. I think all of this, everything we've said, when it comes down to, well, should I get it or should I not get it? There's a lot of considerations. First and foremost, I think is price. A lot of times what a lot of people will tell you is, well, it depends on the price. It depends how much more is a junior suite going to cost you than a regular balcony stateroom. That's often, I think, the most number one reason why you do or don't book a, a, a junior suite. And it's looking at the price relative to a balcony. And you know, if you're talking about a little bit of, a, of an upcharge for it, a lot of people will say, you know what, it's worth it. But if it's a lot, well, maybe not. And certainly, I think junior suites tend to be priced on average. And that's not, it's not a rule. But I think on average, they're priced a little bit better on ships that have a lot, the newer ships that have a lot of suites, as opposed to the older ships, which don't have nearly as many. And so there's more of a premium associated with it. So it, it can depend. It depends on a lot of factors. And timing, you, you know how it goes. Sometimes you happen to look and, ooh, look, a junior suite is really cheap. And then, woof, all gone. You know, it's, it's, it's all gone. It's not there anymore. Or it jumps up considerably. You never know. And, you know, the other thing also is, well, if you're looking at a junior suite, how much more is a real suite? Because once you get up to the real suites, now you're getting really literally the suite life, right? You're getting that that whole new perks that come with it. And, you know, the junior suite can be kind of a tease because you're paying more. You're not quite getting all the, all the suite perks, but you're getting some of them. And for a lot of folks who tell you that they stay in suites all the time, they will tell you, oh, you got to do the suite. I mean, it's, it's night and day difference, right? Having all those nice amenities and benefits that are associated with it. So it's tough. Uh, I, I do think the double crown and anchor points make a big deal. And that helps a lot of folks, especially when you're trying to level up, as it were, within crown and anchor society. If your goal is to move up a category, especially, I think, when you're below diamond. And it's a great way because, of course, you know, it's, it's a huge difference when you can easily move up the system that way and junior suites are a great way to do that without again having to break the bank by booking a full suite it is a nice little perk so you know it depends and and i i've said this on i think on on our periscope broadcast and some other uh places i've written about junior suites and and things like that for me for my family we enjoyed our junior suite experience i really did it was a real lot of fun this, i've stayed in two junior suites i will tell you though that with our family where our children are in their ages I think we're still going to go for two staterooms instead just because my children don't quite understand the whole concept of sleeping in or or not bothering their parents when they wake up at dawn. So having separation from the kids is a big deal. But I think as they get older, it might change our tune and we might be able to you know go back to being in one room and sleeping in. And then a junior suite makes a lot of sense because we get that extra space, but we're all in one room and we're not you know getting two different rooms and all that you know that comes with it. So – it's one of those, uh, you know, if you're looking for a great way to splurge, if you're going on maybe a honeymoon, if you're going on a nice cruise that you want to be able to enjoy the view, junior suites are great. And again, for the price, you really need to price shop and see how much more a junior suite is compared to a balcony. In a lot of cases, it's really not a lot more. You just have to look at it and consider your options. And it's, you know, there's no denying it is nice having that extra space, that extra larger balcony. And, of course, the other th- nice thing about a junior suite is they're usually located a little bit more conveniently. Usually, the higher, the more you pay for your stateroom, the better your location is, the more centrally located your stateroom is, the, the better uh, balcony view that you're going to get. All those factors come into it. So a junior suite is a great option. And, uh, you know, if, you're, if you've stayed in a junior suite, I would love to hear what your thoughts are. Are you a big fan of junior suites? Or do you think you're better off staying in a balcony and saving the money for something else on board the ship? Let me know. Email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. 
This is the part of the podcast where I invite you to join me for it virtually to talk about Royal Caribbean. And you can email me your thoughts, comments, questions, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. I love the emails. I love being able to read them each and every week. So please continue sending them. And don't forget your name and where you're from so I can give you credit for it. Our first email comes to us from Dana, who writes, Hi, Matt. It's Dana. You may know me as Demarada25 on Periscope. I was writing to tell you about the cruise I took on in May on Freedom of the Seas. To start, the moment we walked uh, to the room, our room attendant Levy was right there to greet us. He was very nice and always had our room spotless. I had a room that overlooked the Royal Promenade, room 7293. It was nice to be able to watch the parades and activities that went on while we were still in the room. Our first port was Coco Cay. It was a nice beach day to lay around and have some drinks. The next port day was St. Thomas. We did extreme zip lining. The course was eight zip lines and two bridges. It was a blast, and the instructors are very friendly and help you to loosen up. After zip lining, we grabbed a taxi and headed over to Megan's Bay. And as always, that never disappoints. The views from zip lining and Megan's Bay are unbelievably beautiful. We were the only ship at port which helped on traffic. It was also nice that we could do more than one activity and not have to worry about traffic as much. The third port was St. Martin. You were actually docked right next to us that day. Oh, so when I was on Navigator at the Seas. Interesting. Uh, Dana continues, We did a sea trek excursion and snorkeled for a short, short time. The sea trek was a cool experience, going 20 feet underwater and looking at all the fish and stage scenes that they had. We took a taxi boat and had them drop us off in town. We looked around at some shops, had lunch, and walked back to the ship. Now to focus back on the ship. Freedom was beautiful and had a lot of nice-looking art all around. The shows were all entertaining, and I recommend them to everyone. The Love and Marriage Game Show was hilarious. The quest was fun. And who doesn't love to see an ice show and a magic show at sea? Now, I want to take a turn to the dining experience. We had my time dining, which always works well for me for dinner. The first two nights in the dining room did not go so well. The service was slow. We waited long periods of time for our water, bread, and food. My boyfriend was disappointed because it was his first cruise, and I gave him such a high expectations with, with the dining experience. On the third night, I asked to sit in a different area, and the service was amazing. We requested to sit in the area the rest of the nights, and they did everything they could to make sure we had the same waiter. And, of course, I wanted to try some of the specialty restaurants. When I called to make the reservations for Sabor for the third day, we ran into issues with reservations. We wanted to do lunch, but they only had Sabor open for about two hours for lunch, so we had to wait until five to get the reservation. Not a big deal, but we only could go once since we didn't have that much availability unless we did dinner. The food was delicious, and you were right, the guac was good. We also tried Giovanni's table. Again, we ran into issues with lunch reservations. They didn't open Giovanni's for lunch at all. It was only open for dinner. I like to stick with dinner in the main dining room, but we had to sacrifice a night to try Giovanni's. They did offer to give us lunch prices for the dinner menu, which I thought was wonderful of them to try to show that they cared. We ended up going to the last night of the cruise. The food was amazing. I loved it. I'm really glad I decided to skip the dining room and try it out. All the other one, uh, all around, another wonderful experience with Royal Caribbean. A couple hiccups, but nothing major. I can't wait to tell again. Thanks for all you do with the Royal Caribbean blog. It's a huge help. Dana, great email. Love this. Glad to hear about everything. I was surprised to hear about uh, the lunch reservation, especially about Giovanni's not being open for lunch at all. That's a really big surprise because Giovanni's is almost always open for lunch on on sea days, at least, on most Royal Caribbean's I've ever been on. So kind of surprising. And I'm going on Freedom, as you know, Dana, in September, so I will keep an eye out for that. The thing with almost all specialty restaurants and lunch is they don't usually take reservations for lunch. It's mostly just walk up because, quite honestly, you don't need reservations for lunch. It's just not necessary. Uh, they're not that busy. Most people on sea days are at the pool or eating at the Windsor air, so they don't need to go to you know the specialty restaurants. The great thing, of course, you save money. Lunch is usually discounted compared to dinner. Uh, so I guess in the future, Dana, what I would and anyone listening, just don't worry about the reservations. Just show up. Uh, certainly, you should consult your cruise compass to make sure they are open uh, and and take advantage of that. But 
In my experience, you don't need and they don't offer lunch reservations. I can't think of a, a restaurant off the top of my head right now that offers lunch reservations. I mean, I suppose maybe if you stopped in there and asked, they might be able to accommodate you. But like, if you go to the cruise planner right now, for any cruise you've got, you cannot book lunch. It's not an option on there. And that was true on pretty much every cruise I've ever been on that I can think of. So yeah, just show up and, you know, usually there's not much of a wait at all. It's really pretty easy to get in and... Again, you just, but you are right. There are very limited hours. I'm kind of surprised in, in that regard. I remember that on most ships, you were talking about an hour and a half to two hours at the most. So there's a very small window to get in, but, you know, it's usually right around primetime lunch, so not a big deal. It's not like they're only open from like, you know, 1030 to 1130, weird hours, something like that. So thank you for the email, Dana. Really good stuff. I love it. Thank you, by the way, for the recommendation and the review of the zip line. Sounds pretty cool. Extreme zip lining. <laughs> I would be saying that to my wife all the time. Extreme ziplining. And she would get sick of it after about the second time. But, of course, as a husband, I know she's getting sick of it. That's why I keep doing it, right? All right anyway. <laughs> Next, we have an email from Sean Durucka. who writes, Hope this message finds you well, Matt. First off, I want to say I enjoy your daily live blog on Periscope getting ready to book the group cruise for September. Woot! I just had a quick question regarding the Royal Caribbean drink package. Do all guests over the age of 21 have to get the drink package if they're staying in the same room? Looking forward to the group cruise in September. Sean, to answer your question, no. Uh, when Royal Caribbean first rolled out the drink packages, they used to have that rule. So if, like, me and my wife will use that as an example. If we were staying in the same room, which we usually do, and I bought, I bought the drink package, she would have to buy the drink package. But Royal Caribbean got rid of that rule a long time ago. It, it didn't make a lot of sense. In fact, it probably just hindered sales because, you know, in that kind of situation, my wife would say, well, I don't want one. And I said, well, I'm not paying for one for you. That doesn't make sense. We're not going to get one. So the Royal Caribbean said, no, 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 we're getting rid of that. So that is not the rule anymore. Not a problem. No one makes you enforce that. So that won't be a problem at all. And I hope that it's just that simple, Sean. And by the way, thank you for coming on the group cruise. I'm looking forward, Sean, to uh, joining you on there. Of course, we've got uh, three group cruises lined up. And I'll take this opportunity here to, to mention this because it is important. And I want as many of you as possible to join us for it. The group cruises are a really simple idea. I love taking Royal Caribbean cruises. You love taking Royal Caribbean cruises. Well, let's cruise together. Wouldn't that be fun? Absolutely. And that's why we've done these group cruises. We've done two so far. First was on Quantum of the Seas. Last one was on Allure of the Seas. We've got three more coming up. We've got uh, Freedom of the Seas, September of 2016. Then we've got Navigator of the Seas, February 2017. And Harmony of the Seas, September 2017. Really cool stuff. You can go check it out at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events or go to our show notes. I'll post a link in there for you. It is... It's going to be amazing. I've had so much fun on these group cruises. We did When we did Allure of the Seas, the group cruise in February, and then I went on Navigator of the Seas, just, this is just our family going. We had a great time in Navigator. But I'll tell you, me and my wife both, like, at some point in the cruise, we both said to ourselves, both said to each other, you know, we're having fun, but, man, is it more? it's a lot more fun with, with friends, right? You know, have the group cruise, being able to experience it together, seeing friendly faces all over the ship, doing things together. It just... Everything is more fun with friends, and that's what these group cruises are all about. And I am inviting each and every one of you to join me for the group cruise. We're going to have a great time. I, I, we've got Actually, if you want to see what we've got for Freedom of the Seas, the group cruise in September, we've actually got a list of events lined up. You can go check it out on our on the group cruise page. You'll see every single event. And you're more than welcome to join us for as many or as little as you like. It's very easygoing. We don't want, I don't want to be overbearing. Like, oh, Sean, you've got to be here at this time. No, no, no. no. Just, it's your vacation. But join us for as much as you're willing to. I think it's going to be a great time, Sean. I can't wait to meet you and be able to enjoy the drink package together, right? It's research, Sean. We've got to figure out what's the best drink at this particular bar versus that bar, right? We'll figure it out, Sean. (laughs) Awesome, man. Thanks for the email. 
Next up, we have an email from Don Blair, who writes, Hi, Matt. I listened to your podcast on Jewel of the Seas. This ship have bow access. I was on a transatlantic crossing aboard the Navigator of the Seas and spent hours on the bow deck. I'm considering a transatlantic on the Jewel of the Seas. I would appreciate your input. Don, the good news is, yes, Radiance-class ships do offer the access to come up on the bow on the helipad and go over there. I love it, Don. In fact, when we were on Jewel of the Seas, we sailed out of San Juan, Puerto Rico, and there is no better place to see sailing away or sailing into San Juan from the helipad of the ship, it's really nice, and it does offer a great. It's a it's a great perk, right? And yes, you can do it on Jewel of the Seas. So, and for those who aren't aware, certain classes of Royal Caribbean ships, uh, such as the Radiance class, the Freedom class, and the Voyager class ships, those are the three, I believe. But anyway, they allow you at the very least access to the helipad, which is at the front of the ship, and you can basically. And this is the best way to describe it. I hate using it because it's kind of cliched, but nonetheless, it is the scene from Titanic. The, the I'm the king of the world. Well, you can essentially do that from the front of the ship, and uh, it's a helipad that's obviously used for helicopters. Although there's benches there, it's great for any time. Whether you're out in the middle of the ocean, whether you're leaving a port, coming into a port, it is odds are one of the best places to go. If you're not staying in a suite. This is the best next option. Go down there. It's very easy to get to. It's always open, almost always open, unless it's you know too windy or weather prohibiting. But it's uh, it's great, fantastic views, and it is a must do. Don, I agree. I'm glad you checked it out when you were on Navigator because on Julie, you're going to enjoy it even more. So great to hear, and good luck with that. And I hope you have a great time, Don. Next up, we have an email from Deborah Wolf who writes, Hi, Matt. Thanks for all you do on the Royal Caribbean blog. Your blogs and podcasts definitely increased my enjoyment on my recent cruise. My sister and I took the, our mother on a lure of the seas in May. My sister's children, young adults, really came along with us. Our mother has some mobility issues, and we were able to sign out a wheelchair for free for the length of the cruise. Given the size of Allure, this was a great help. We had connecting ocean balcony staterooms on deck eight, just steps from the aft stairs, elevators, and Central Park. Our stateroom attendant opened our connecting door and folded back the part of the balcony divider. I was picturing a double balcony before our trip, but that was impossible. Still, it was nice to have part of the divider open. Here's my do's and don'ts for the cruise. Do's. The boarding day spa raffle. We didn't win anything this time, but we did take advantage of the special on top on the top-to-toe massage. The top to the massage at 7.45 on the first sea day. What an amazing way to start the cruise. The Lapidus zip line. It was fantastic. It's a lot of money for a relatively short experience, but I would do it again. The two-person lounger on Lapidus. It was small on a rocky beach, but it was still nice to have a shaded place to rest and relax. The shows, in particular, Mamma Mia, Ice Games, and Ocean Aria. Run on the track. I ran twice, including completing a virtual 5K, and it helped me keep my cruise weight gained to just, just five pounds. Order two appetizers and two desserts in the main dining room every day. Go to Johnny Rockets for breakfast. The Flow Rider. My sister is Diamond. She finally did the Flow Rider. I may have encouraged her to do it a little bit. Arrange your excursions to be later in the day. We did morning excursions, not realizing the Flow Rider and Zipline were only open in the morning on port days and then closed until 4 p.m. Stroll Central Park late in the evening and do the cupcake decorating class. So much fun to make and delicious to eat. Now, here's some don'ts. Uh, don't order the Royal Replenished Drink Package before the trip. The mug is provided in your stateroom, so I couldn't use the Coke freestyle machines until we had access to our room. There had been a virus outbreak on the cruise before us, so boarding and then access to our staterooms was delayed while they were sanitizing the ship. Don't leave the stateroom connecting door open overnight. Very important for a good night's sleep when your nephew loudly gets back to his room at 2.14 a.m. And don't blindly go to the headliner show without first checking what it is. The show on our cruise was a ventriloquist, and he was awful. We had a great trip. This is my first cruise on an Oasis-class ship, and I loved it. Deborah, I love these kinds of emails. I love this bullet point, do's and don'ts. This is great. I agree. Let's go through these. First of all, I agree. The shows, Mamma Mia, Ice Games. Ice Games, I am continuously amazed by the ice shows on Royal Caribbean. I don't know what it is. Maybe I just keep 
continuously have low expectations for ice shows. Like, how could ice skating possibly be entertaining? Call me uncultured. It's probably true. But, you know, I just, every time I go into it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I loved Ice Games. Great show. I think Ice Games on Allure was my favorite of the ice shows I've ever seen. And that includes even the, my much beloved Freedom of the Seas. Navigators is a great one too, but it is a, it is a must see show. I love the ice show, so definitely there. I love, order two appetizers and two desserts in the main dining room every day. Absolutely. Deborah, you get it. You, you gots to do that. You have to take advantage of it. I mean, it's included, even if you only eat a bite of it. I mean, this is a great opportunity to try new foods. And honestly, forgetting my gluttony for a moment, the a lot of the dishes in general in the main dining room are on the smaller side. So you're, you know, you may not find a whole lot of, uh, if you order just one and one and one, you know, you may not find a whole lot of, uh, to be necessarily as filling as you would like. So feel free to order multiple. Or how about this? How about, you know, you get to Italian night in the main dining room. I tell the waiter, bring two lasagnas. You know why? Because I love that lasagna. I want more of it. <laughs> I'm not going to eat something else I kind of like and then something I do really like. Load up on what you like. It's your vacation. They want to make you happy. So there you go. Deborah. love it. And the other thing was you mentioned don't order the Royal Replenish Package because the mug isn't available. That's an interesting point. And I can see your point. I'm not saying you're wrong. I guess here's my here's what I would respond to that. Yes, you were correct about that, that your mug will not be available to you until you get uh, to your room. However, there are a couple things to keep in mind. Number one, the lines to buy a drink package on day one are usually the longest. And it's always, I always see these huge lines and I always say to myself, never buy a drink package on day one. It's always just, it, it just seems like there's always a huge line. It can be avoided if you buy it online. And I would tell you, yes, you can't use the freestyle machines until you get your cup, but your Royal Replenish benefits will allow you to go to any bar or restaurant and say, hey, can I just get a Coke? You know, can I get a Sprite? A can? Granted, it's going to be in the can or, or a fountain version of it. You won't be able to use the, the freestyle machine, but you still avoid that line. It's your vacation. I don't want to sit, stand in line if I don't have to. So, you know, unless you just love the freestyle machine, which is nothing wrong with that. But I totally see your point. I'm not sure your situation is necessarily indicative of what most people can expect. You know, usually your stadium is open by one. Most people get on the ship, you know, even when I get on the ship, you know, I'll get on, let's say, 11. It's not the end of the world for me to wait a couple hours. But I see your point. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just wanted to give you the other side of the, the flip side of the coin there. But good. I love the email. Great observations. And thank you for, for emailing them to me. Next up, we've got an email from Murph, who writes, The most enjoyable part of cruising for me is the food variety. Thank you and Roller Caribbean for adding Sabor, as I love Mexican food. On my next cruise, I'm looking forward to Izumi, as I am a sushi fanatic. I have a question in regards to the sushi bar. Is there an all-you-can-eat package? When looking at the menu, I can end up spending $75 on $100 on all the sushi. Thanks for your help. Love the show. So the answer to your question, Murph, the answer is most of the time, 98% of the time, no. It's, it's all carded to Zoomy. You order what you order is what you pay for, right? And I know what you're talking about, Murph. Trust me, if my wife wasn't constantly telling me, don't order too much, I would probably order like 50 bucks of sushi every time. That being said, it, it is worth noting that someone on this podcast has reported that on grandeur of the seas, I've heard this a couple different times now, there is on like the last day of, of the cruise, there is actually a buffet option at Izumi. I haven't experienced it myself. I've dreamed about it, quite honestly, but I've never actually experienced it in real life, and that is something to consider. The other thing is we actually posted on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com not too long ago. On Explorer the Seas, they actually had Izumi Sushi Buffet Breakfast, and, man, if your day, you know, the best days begin with sushi, in my opinion. So this was like a, a fixed-price uh, sushi buffet as well, 
uh, on Explorer this season. But essentially what I'm trying to say is that it's not always an option. And most of the times I think, Murph, you're going to run into, you're going to pay for what you order, what you get. Honestly, that being said, if you order the rolls especially, there, there's a lot of sushi on there. It's a pretty good value. And I often find that, you know, after two to three rolls, that's pretty much going to do me in there unless I start un- unbuttoning belts and, you know, <laughs> unbuckling belts, right? Unbuckling belts, unbuttoning shirts and, you know, really letting myself go. Then, hey, you know, you can really go to town there. But it's a, it's a pretty good amount of sushi. I think you'll be okay. And the other thing to keep in mind, Murph, is that the dining packages allow you to at, eat about $30 worth of sushi in Izumi, and that's covered in the dining package, and that can save you some money as well. So maybe another option for you there, or just go on Grandeur of the Seas, Murph, and evidently you can go to town on the uh, on the buffet day. So thank you for the email. Good good question, though. Next up, we've got an email from Sal, who writes, Matt, I just wanted to say that I re- recently discovered your podcast and Royal Caribbean blog, and I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for all the advice, tips, and tricks to help elevate our cruise experience to the next level. So we finally booked our Allure of the Seas cruise for 2017, and as a avid cruiser, this will be our first time sailing with two young children. I did an extensive amount of research on the Royal Tots Nursery and Children's Explorers, but I'm still a little skeptical about leaving my small children. I know my husband and I must take advantage and finally have our us time, but first I feel guilty leaving them, even if it's just for a couple hours. How do I know I'm leaving them in good hands? Do these programs offer any reassurance to skeptical parents like myself? And what security measures are taken when a parent goes back to pick up the kids? Any advice will help. So that was a great question. And I, I will tell you right this off the bat. you it, It's okay. I've been there. I will tell you from first-hand experience, I've been on many Royal Caribbean ships. We have left our children as young as six months old in the nursery. And now my daughter is up to five years old. She still goes to Adventure Ocean. And they love it. A couple things to keep in mind. Number one. You're not dumping them in like this, like, you know, room closet where they're just sitting there waiting for you, right? They're going to love it. They're going to play with other kids. They're going to do a lot more fun things than they can do with you, right? Interacting, playing, story time, playing again, science experiments. It's a great, a lot of fun for them. Watching their favorite movies, dancing, you know, all these things kids love. So they're going to love it. Now, in terms of your reassurances, I totally understand what you're saying. First of all, the Adventure Oceans app is well trained. In fact, the and I'm paraphrasing here. I believe Royal Caribbean has a policy where all the Adventure Ocean staff has to have some background in terms of training and schooling with with young children. They have you know they're they're not like they're mechanical mechanical engineers and they're like yeah you look like you could do kids service come watch kids for a couple hours no 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 these are people that are trained for this kind of stuff. So not only do they have like obviously CPR and all that important stuff, but they're also trained to actually you know handle young children and deal with young children and they're very very good. I've had exceptional service. I would often say the best service I've ever had on Royal Caribbean ships consistently is in the Adventure Ocean and the nurseries. They do a great job with it. Now, you want to know about how, you know what security measures are taken. Every single time you pick up or drop off, especially when you're picking up, they're going to ask you to see your C or C pass card, and they're going to verify your name against your child's name. So that way, they know exactly who is allowed and who is not allowed. When you register your child, you're going to give them a list of who's available. So let's say it's you, your husband, and your your parents are going on the cruise, right? You can list on there who is who can and pick up your children from Adventure Ocean. So you can list here, okay, I can pick them up, my husband can pick them up, and oh yeah, my parents can as well, and every single time they will verify. And every single time I went to Adventure Ocean, even though the staff knew who I was, knew who my daughter was, because my daughter was like the mayor of Adventure Ocean <laughs> by the end of the cruise, they still asked for my CPAS card. They still verified it every single time. And I felt very safe, quite honestly, leaving them in there and, and being knowing that they're in good hands. I think you're gonna it's it's a I think Royal Caribbean does as much as they can with it, and it's a very safe environment. 
I would not hesitate to recommend using it. I've had nothing but great experiences there, Sal, and I think that you know what? It's like you said, right? You've got to have us time. And even if it's for a couple hours, you know what? Start off start off easy. Just drop them off for, you know, maybe for dinner or or a lunch or something that's just, you know, just two, three hours, right? Just something easy. And, you know, work your way up to, you know, going off the ship during port days, leaving your kids on board, which we've graduated ourselves to. Love it. They love it because they get to, you know, my, my, my oldest daughter... We love her, but she does not want to walk around a town and just to her walking around in a hot city shopping is not entertained to her. Unless we're sitting in the pool constantly, it's boring, right? And she complains, she whines, she doesn't enjoy it. She would rather sit on the ship in air conditioning and play and dance and sing and, you know, do whatever it is kids do in Adventure Ocean. And to her, that's way more fun than, than hanging out with us. So it's, it's win-win. And you get the us time, they get their fun time. It's all good. So... I'm telling you here as a parent and as a blogger, enjoy it. Embrace it, Sal. You're going to love it. It's one of the best things Royal Caribbean does, and and I really am a big fan of what Adventure Ocean offers. So definitely check that out. All right, time for our last email, and it is from Emma, who writes, Matt, I've been enjoying your recent podcast series on Alaska. My husband and I sailed to Alaska in 2012 on the Celebrity Infinity. It was amazing. I would definitely agree with all the other comments that a balcony really adds to the experience. Initially... We booked an inside stateroom, but we checked rates regularly, and eventually a balcony opened up that wasn't much more expensive, and I'm glad we booked it. I also wanted to point out something that I felt was missed on the last podcast. One of the main activities we did in Alaska was whale watching. We could regularly see whales from our balcony, and the onboard naturalists would often point out when pods were near the ship. At Juneau, we took whale watching excursion combined with a tour of the Mendenhall Glacier. We didn't book through the cruise line. Instead, we booked when we just went on shore. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the company we finally went with, but there were several huts selling a variety of trips right at the dock. We were lucky that there were a lot of space, and if there was something people definitely wanted to do, I would recommend booking in advance. After talking to a number of fellow passengers, we found that similar cruise line excursions were about twice the price, and the boats were a lot larger and more crowded, whereas our excursion was on a smaller boat that was closer to the water. It was an excellent trip, and we saw many whales, and we'd definitely do it again. In other news, my dad and I recently returned from a three-day cruise on Harmony of the Seas. We had an amazing time. It was a great ship. I brought home some cruise compasses, so wanted to check if they would be useful on the site. If so, I could send over the copies electronically. Emma, great email. First of all, yes, absolutely. I, I always, always, always welcome cruise compasses, no matter what the ship they are. Love them because, of course, we have a section on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com where I store all the cruise compasses to help everybody plan their next Royal Caribbean cruise. Of course, Royal Caribbean does not publish in advance the entertainment schedule or cruise compass for your cruise. So I feel that having access to old cruise compasses is a great way to help everyone figure out, uh, give them a ballpark idea of what to expect, right? Maybe they won't line up time-wise or, you know, the exact movie you're going to see on your ship, but it will tell you, yeah, you can expect to have probably, you know, this event on the ship and it might be on day two, right? I mean, just ballpark idea what to expect and what not to expect. And I think it's just helpful. So, Emma, yeah, absolutely. And this is true for anybody. If you have a cruise compass and you can scan it in, just email it to me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Thank you for the recommendations, first of all, about the whale watching and booking on your own and going to the shore. There, That's always an option in almost every port. When you get off the ship and you exit the port area, there's almost always a number of locals who are trying to sell excursions on their own. I, I, I really cannot think of a time where that isn't an option. Now, there's a lot of considerations involved. Number one, like Emma said, it may not be the exact excursion you're looking for. Number two, you're booking through a third party. There are certain risks involved. I book through third parties all the time, but of course you should know you, it's your responsibility to get back to the ship on time because the ship will leave without you if you don't. So 
make very certain of that. And my recommendation in that situation is just make sure you come back. You're set to come back many hours before you're supposed to. Uh, two to three is usually more than enough. That way, you know, if you run into bad traffic and you're delayed an hour, you still got plenty of time. So don't risk it. Give yourself plenty. It's not worth seeing one extra pot of whales just to get back in time. But I love the recommendation, though, of just going to see whale watching. I think that is a huge part of what Alaska offers. And you're absolutely right, Emma. It is a... It's a must-do. I mean, there are some things. The other thing I would mention, by the way, if you're going whale watching, take some bonine or some other uh, seasickness medicine because those boats can rock quite a bit. You're on little, I won't say dinghies, but you're on little smaller boats, and depending on the water and what the whales are doing and a whole lot of other things, it can be a little rocky, a little bumpy. Uh, so you want to make sure you're not, you can enjoy the experience, not just lamenting, oh, gosh, when are we going back to land? When are we going back to land? <laughs> But I love it, Emma. Thank you so much for the recommendation, and thank you for the email, and thank you to everybody for the wonderful emails, and I want to hear from you as well. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, so I can read your email on here. Well, until next time, I'm Matt Hotchurk, and we'll talk again soon.